Happy Friday, theater lovers. This week's guest is Andrea Matthews. This is an important interview for me. Andrea has a special place in my theater journey, and I'm super delighted she was able to make the time. We chat about how stage management can evolve depending on the dynamic with the director, her desire to work with new to her directors, and I think you'll be just as shocked as me to learn she's maybe not as organized as you think she is. Andrea is direct, focused, and determined, but also warm, loving, and kind. On with the show. Okay, uh, welcome Andrea Matthews to Sarnia Famous. Yay! I'm Thank so you. happy that you're here. Um, so excited to have you on the show. Um, you and Jane James are very, very important in my journey with uh, Theatre Sarnia because my very first show, which was Miracle on 34th Street, uh, you gals were uh, the stage manager and the director, and I felt, felt very much like you both took me under your wing and <laughs> kind of took care of me. Um, one of my fondest memories in Miracle, I had to go to the that little side room. And I didn't know that yes. you weren't allowed to like walk out into the audience during intermission. <laughs> so I kept coming out and people would chat with me in the audience. And then you found out that I was doing that and very sweetly kind of came over and said, you can't do that. Like, <laughs> what, what are you, what are you Sorry. doing? <laughs> no, you were really good about it. And I was like, oh, oh my God, I had no idea. There were so many things I had to learn on that show. And, and yeah, you, you gals were so kind. And patient. Well, it's always it's always hard when someone new comes in to Theatre Sarnia because you're not sure how much they know and where they're coming from and what their background is. So you don't want to insult them and say, hey, you don't walk off the stage and walk into the audience because <laughs> anybody that's done theatre in a lot of different places would know that, at least in my mind, because of course I'm a Theatre Sarnia person, right? Like I, this is, this is the place I do theatre and have done theatre. I haven't done it other places. So I just know what the rules are. And then mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I guess I better just mention that rule. So I've gotten much better about being conscious of what non-theater Sardinia members might not know and kind of trying to say, okay, so here's a, here's some information that you might find handy. <laughs> Uh, we've kind of chatted about this before, too. I love that you're no-nonsense. I'm really drawn to people who are no-nonsense because I always know that you will be honest with me and I will know exactly where I stand with you. And I personally appreciate that. Well, that gets me into trouble sometimes because <laughs> some people are, I'm not always politically correct in the way I say things. I just say them so that people understand what I need them to do. And I know some people find that very blunt. I know I've worked with a few people that have gotten to know me a little better and say, oh, you're not a bitch. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that, but it's like, okay, all right, well, um, I didn't know it came across that way. They say, yeah, well, like when you run an, an audition, you're just go, 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 go. And it's like, you're not all that, always that way. No, but I have a job to do. So I do my job. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes that comes off a little harsher than I anticipated to. Um, and uh, that's, again, something I'm working on. It's some of one of those personal goals. I have to be conscious of how it's coming out. And um, but sometimes when I get, especially when I get in the zone, when I'm stage managing, it's a very much a go here, do this, go here, do that. And I tend to apologize to people before we get into, especially Tech Week, I'm going to just tell you what to do during Tech Week. And I'm not trying to be rude. I just have to get through what I have to get through. So 
Um, some people appreciate it, some people not so much so, but it is well, what it is. I, uh, I can appreciate, I, I certainly am always working on things on myself as well. Personally, though, I hope you never change. I, I love that about you. I, well, personally, you. <laughs> I just have to maybe phrase it a little bit more gently sometimes, I guess. <laughs> I think sometimes it, it came from working with teens for so mm. long because with I don't tend to use big flowery ways of expressing things. I just say, go stand there because that way there's no question about what I need you to do or what needs to happen. It's just, and um, sometimes that works really, really well. Sometimes people get offended, but it's, that's, it is what it is. And I am who I am. And that's right. sometimes you can't do anything about that. Right. That's right. Maybe it'll toughen, toughen them up a little bit. <laughs> I would think though, like stage management, there's a lot of cogs. There's a lot of things going on. I would think having a direct manner would serve you in that capacity. I think it does. And I think that's why I, I have stage managed a number of times and for a number of different directors. And I think part of the reason is because they know that it will get done and it will happen in a manner that it has to happen in. And you can't you can't be flowery when you're a stage manager. It just, it does, that's the director's, the director's and the actor's job. The artistic piece of it is all of, of their responsibility. Mine always is, I look at it as a logistics job, really more than anything else. I make sure that all the, the, the I's are dotted and the T's mm -hmm. are crossed and we know where this is supposed to be. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of the other support people do as well, like the props people and the set people and all that stuff. But it's one of those things when, especially when the show is running, I kind of have to know what's happening overall. And that's more of a logistics than an artistic. I always say I'm not artistic at all. I'm just really logical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's what a stage manager has to be. Yeah, for sure. So is there a certain personality type in terms of director that you best jive with? Um, I don't think so. Um, I've worked with a number of different directors and it's a whole bunch more I'd like to work with. And each director I find interesting because they each bring different strengths to the table. And it's interesting to kind of, because then I have to kind of say, okay, what do I need to do to help them? Or can I help them in an area that they're, some, some directors are really, really good at planning when people enter an exit and how they went, enter an exit from. And some directors aren't. Some directors you have to go, you know, he just walked off stage left, last scene, and you're bringing them on stage right. Is that what you want? Because they don't always track those pieces because they're looking at more of what's happening on stage and don't necessarily think about the backstage pieces and especially in the beginning of the rehearsal process because you tend to chunk the play and mm. do sections of it and then you go on to a different section you don't always do it sequentially so sometimes somebody walks off stage left and they're coming back in the next page stage right and you don't know that when you're doing the big blocking and the director's so concerned about how the person's moving on stage and who they're interacting with and how they're holding themselves that they don't always think about the entrances and exits. So some directors are really good at that. Some are not so good at that. Some directors are really good at saying, this is the style of lighting I want here. And other directors don't even think about the tech pieces when they're doing stuff. They just kind of go ahead and, and do their thing. And so you have to kind of say, okay, what? And if, it, if it's a director I've worked with before, I kind of have an idea of what they're like and say, okay, I know that I'm probably going to be focusing on some of the lighting and sound pieces here because that's not something they do, or I need to track this piece or that kind of stuff. So when I when I work with a new director, I've got to try and figure out how we can meld together to make it happen because 
those they get the artistic say but sometimes as a stage manager you kind of say well this is what's happening is this what you want mm -hmm. and if they say yes you say okay Hope we'll make don't. it happen mm -hmm. right so then how does that how does that look when you're starting out with a new or when well, new to you director do you sit and have a couple meetings or do you just drop dive right into the process and read them as you go uh it's often a combination of the two usually we meet beforehand because we talk about things like how to set up the audition process and those types of things and at that point i start trying to figure out and very often you very often a director knows what their strengths are and weaknesses are and they'll say right up front i know you look after the sound so that's wonderful i don't have to worry about it mm -hmm. um so a lot of them have either know me or have worked with me in a different capacity and then like if you ever became a director you've worked with me in a show so you kind of know the way i do things so you would be able to say okay i know she does this so i can kind of rely on her to do this piece and it's it's so it's a, a combination of things and it's a combination of reading as you go along it's like okay this i see this piece that's kind of falling by the wayside so i'll kind of say to the director like this is what i've noticed and they'll say oh okay and, and they'll fix it so a lot of the times it's a combination of the two mm -hmm because you have to have those planning conversations at the beginning. And sometimes it comes out then, and sometimes it comes out as we go through. And sometimes it comes out during tech week that it's like, oh, we didn't think about that piece. All right. <laughs> That's That's happened too. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, 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 I've gotten, I've gotten better. I must say as, as I uh, go through this process and um, I was just counting up as we were coming in here that I'm going to next season of Bobby doing my, I'll be stage managing my 12th show. Wow. So I've learned a lot about stage, actually my 13th show, technically, my 12th with Theatre Sarnia. Um, but I've learned a lot about the bits and pieces of stage managing. My very first show, which was a non-Theatre Sarnia show, the person that asked me to stage manage, I said, well, I don't know what a stage manager does. And they say, oh, well, they bring snacks and they greet people. <laughs> uh... <laughs> And okay. um, I said, well, and I was at that point bringing snacks and greeting people. So I, I could do that. And then I found out stage manager has a little bit more to do. Just than... a few more things, <laughs> just snacks, conversation, <laughs> too funny. So, uh, so I have left the snacks part out now. I don't get to snack, bring snacks as often, uh, but I still do try and greet people. <laughs> too funny. Uh... I, I already forgot, so um, I just got so excited to talk to you that I, I forgot that a segment of the show, uh, Brent Wilkinson, for the one-year anniversary slash birthday, whatever you want to call it, gifted the show this little card game, and it's kind of an icebreaker, which you and I don't really need, but hey, it's fun, so let's do it anyway. Yep. So All it's right. called, I don't know if you can see that, it's called Which One? Which One. And okay. it basically... It's like a which would you prefer kind of scenario. And so I give okay. you two options and then you let me know which one you would prefer and why. Your first okay. question, and you don't have to tell me why you prefer this. You just have to choose red or blue. Uh, red. Red. Okay. So, oh, nope, already done those. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Are you ready? This is exciting. I don't know. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> so would you, which one would you prefer? Run late, run 15 minutes late to every occasion or wake up with a rat in your bedroom. 
How often do I have to wake up with the rot? That's the caveat. I assume one time you have to wake up with the rat in the bedroom, but it doesn't say that. It does specify 15 minutes late to every occasion, and this just wake up with a rat. So I'm thinking one time? Well, if it's one time, I would probably choose the rat. Mm -hmm. If it was regularly, I'm always 15 minutes late to everything anyhow, so... <laughs> Might as well stick with it. So, really, <laughs> um, so I would probably choose the rat if it was only one time because it is nice to be on time to certain things. I made it on time to my daughter's wedding and to my wedding, so that was good. Thumbs up, thumbs up. <laughs> I usually make it on time to practice, but that's because in my mind I'm supposed to be at practice an hour before everybody else, so I'm usually there half an hour before, so Nailing I am it. late by my standards, but on time by everybody else. I, so uh, I would choose the rat if it's once. Okay. You know, I got anxiety just reading run late, run 15 minutes late to every occasion. I'm that kind of weirdo. I show up early, even to like for a party and I'll park my car two blocks away and sit in my car and then I'll show up to the party exactly on time or even like a minute or two early. So yeah, I would, um, I choose yeah, the rat. That's my husband. That's my husband. So it's no end of stress in our world when we're going places <laughs> because I, I, I think my mentality was when I, I was growing up, my friends and I had the general consensus that it's, it's rude to be on time to go someplace. You're supposed to arrive 15 minutes late. 15 minutes late is polite on time. <laughs> so that's my mindset is that if I'm 15 minutes late, it's, no big deal. So if you invite me to come someplace at 5.30, expect me at quarter to six. Drives my husband crazy. Um, but that's okay. We manage. I try and get there on time, and he tries and gets there early. So we try. <laughs> Balance out, maybe. It happens. And it depends on how important it is, too. There mm -hmm. are things that we actually make it to on time. But um, it's quite often that we're running 10, 15 minutes later than he would like us to be. But that's okay. We survive. It's funny that you say that it's polite on time because I, I think of that as fashionably on time. And yes, like especially for a party, like you're supposed to roll in when things are already happening. You're like, hey, how's your mom? How's everybody doing? But I still can't do it. I cannot be fashionably and or politely on time. So anyway, that was fun. Let's get back to <laughs> business at hand. Um, I'm actually, you know, I'm going to be honest, I'm surprised that you would be somebody who runs late because you are so organized and so um, uh, to the point and yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by that. Has that always I'm, been the case? I'm really not organized. <laughs> really? This is the day. I, I, it's funny because everybody says you're so organized and my husband kind of goes, <laughs> and I think I'm organized in certain ways, but really not organized in other ways. I'm a very weird combination. It's like most people that are really organized are very, have very tidy homes and are very methodical and everything's all, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very laissez-faire in terms of those types of things. I'm very laid back. Um, but when it comes to certain things, I'm very, very organized and it's very structured. So I think it's that real big dichotomy for me that sometimes some things are incredibly organized like if you take a look at uh, every it's a standard joke with my friends and i when when we're because we're traveling a little bit more now that we're mm -hmm. traveling now that we're retired and i have a spreadsheet 
this is where we're going. These are the places. These are the things we need to see there. And like we're going to Newfoundland this summer for three weeks. And I've got it broken down day by day of where we're going and what we're doing. <laughs> and it's interchangeable, but it's still organized. And it's a spreadsheet. And everybody has a laugh at me about that. And that's, I need that type of thing for certain pieces. I like to be super organized. But there's another piece of me that just isn't. And... So is it a, a deadline thing? If there's a deadline there... Is that what drives you to be more organized? I don't really know what it is. I think it's more of a, if it's a responsibility thing, maybe that's what it is. And then if it's nothing that's super serious, it's not such a big deal. Um, I don't I don't really know how it fit, like, fits into which category. I wish you could figure it out. Then I could shift some of the non-organized <laughs> stuff into the organized pile because that would make my life so much easier sometimes. But I think it probably stems from my family because I have four siblings. So there's five of us in the family and they were spread out over a fairly large period. And um, some things were very organized in the family and some things were very not. So I think maybe it just kind of, you you figure out what works, right? Hmm, and the same thing with teaching, right? You have parts that have to be very organized, but parts of it have to be very organic because mm. you just have to fly with whatever gets proposed to you, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So is there so. a lot of overlap with teaching and theater, like a lot of similarities, or do you uh, use skills from either one in the other? I think stage managing and teaching are very, very similar. Um, there's a lot of the planning and organizational stuff that I think is in your personality from teaching, which transfers over. There's a lot of um, the people I don't want to say management, but people interaction stuff that happens that you do as a teacher that you also do as a stage manager. At least I, I try to. I try and kind of touch base with most members of the cast and, and kind of know what's going on. And the fact that, especially with a big cast, your brain has to kind of track everything that's going on mm. at the same time. And that's something that you do as, as a teacher. It's like, okay, I know there's a conversation going on in the back of the classroom about what they're doing Friday night, then it's starting to distract them. So let's try and find something to get them back on. Whereas with stage managing, you're not tracking that so much, but you're tracking that the person who's behind is doing something and it's not adding anything to the show because it's distracting and the directors may be focusing on what the two main people are doing and don't see that the person at the back is rearranging the glasses on the bar and so you kind of say do you want that person rearranging those glasses on the bar because it's a little distracting mm. and they'll go oh i didn't see it and we run it again and they go oh yeah we can't have that or they say oh yeah i really like that and that's their call but it, it, you just track those things and sometimes again completely depends on the director some directors are very focused on what the main players are doing and don't always see the background and some of them see the whole picture really really well and can can track all those things and say that's distracting or i really like that um so it just really depends on the scenario and i think you have to just roll with it and i think there are a lot of overlaps between teaching and stage managing i think yeah uh, it's a very similar skill set i would think so uh, definitely what grade do you teach uh, i taught high school i'm retired now oh, right 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 sorry High school. So, oh, no problem. I taught high school. Um, grade, generally grade 10, 11, and 12. I didn't teach very many grade nines. So do you so, find that age group easiest to direct because of your experience as a teacher? Um, I don't think so. I think I liked to think of my students, and I said it to them all the time, that I would treat them as adults until they mm -hmm. showed me they weren't. Yep. And there were a few classes that you 
treated them like children because they were behaving like children. And we had that conversation. You know what, guys, you're not behaving like adults, so I'm not going to treat you like adults. So because I tried to have that kind of mindset a lot of the time, and it didn't always work, but I tried to have some of that mindset, then it really, generally you work with adults, right, in, in theater. So, or at least I tend to a lot of the shows. And there are some kids in it involved. But again, I really am of the philosophy is if you, you treat everybody like an adult until they prove to you they're not. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to go with that next piece. And I do that even when we're, we're doing shows where we have a bunch of kids in them. It's because most kids, if you treat them and give them responsibility and respect, will rise to that level. And there's very few that I've worked with that don't. And mm-hmm. when they don't, then you just have to be aware that. And I've worked with a few adults that shouldn't be treated like adults. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be a little more careful there yeah. but so often you'll be working with an adult and you'll say all right i need to kind of have a conversation with you because that's not appropriate <laughs> right so it makes a lot of sense to me though like um my memory of being a child feels very distant and more and more distant as the days go on but oh, yeah. i do <laughs> i do recall that desire to be seen as an adult and i think as a kid i would have responded really well to somebody just automatically treating me like an adult unless I behaved otherwise. Yeah. So that approach really makes sense. And then it, I would think it would make it easier on your side that you just treat everybody at that same level unless they show you something else and then you pivot. Yeah. But you also have to be conscious of what their abilities are, right? Like you, you would say, all right, I'm going to treat them like an adult, but I'm aware that the reading level is not at the point where they can. So you have to just say, are you good with that? And, if they aren't, they're usually very clear about saying, uh, no, I don't understand that. And you say, okay, and then you'll just kind of do a little side piece for them. But it's, uh, I, I, I do find that if you treat everybody, I guess my idea is I have high expectations for everybody and they're going to do really, really well and they're going to do what they're supposed to do and that's the way I go into it. And I find mm-hmm. most people in theater do because they're there because they want to be. Mm-hmm. They're not there because they have to be in school. It's a little bit different because yeah. some of them are there because they, they don't want to be there, but they have to be there. Whereas nobody that's in a show is there because they have to be there. They're there because they choose to be there and mm-hmm. they really want to be there, right? So, Yeah, especially with the volunteer piece, right? Like they're not getting paid to be there. So that it, there has to be that level of dedication and commitment. Otherwise, they're not going to show up for free. Well, and it's it's their hobby. Mm-hmm. Right. It's 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 just like playing hockey. If you're a hockey player, you go to hockey practices. You don't get anything out of it except the ability to play hockey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas for this, you get to perform. And some days you're not having great days and mm-hmm. you just have to make sure. And I always encourage people to say, you know, if you're having a bad day, just let me know. Yeah. Because then I can read what's going yeah. on and I keep a, a little mental note that, well, so-and-so's not having a good day, so let's just, I keep them conscious in my brain, and yeah. I just track them, and if I see them just reacting a certain way, I'll either go and approach them, or uh, if I know they have a friend, I'll send them, or mm-hmm. depends on how it works, just to track them, because sometimes they come in, and they're having a lousy day, and they head off to Studio B and have a breakdown, and it's like, okay, well, let's figure out what we can do to support them, and sometimes they don't want to share why, and yeah. that's their choice, yeah. but sometimes they just need somebody to listen to what they're saying sometimes you just need a hug and say hey you know it will get better like i don't know what's going on but it will get better it will get through there are people here for you if you need them and sometimes Mm -hmm. people need just to hear 
that there is somebody that's there listening to them, right? That's lovely. So. That um, like I feel reassured <laughs> that the next time I have a show with you, which I really hope is in the near future, that uh, that I can just come to you with that, and I hope whoever is listening takes that away from it as well. So, is there a show? like a dream show that you'd like to direct that you haven't had a chance to do yet. Stage manage. Or st- sorry, stage manage. Stage manage. Whoops. Don't direct. Sorry, I don't know why came out of my mouth. It just like I thought stage manage and then the other word came out. But good yeah, thing that's you know okay. what the heck I'm talking about. You know, I, there really isn't because every show, I think, I think it's more to the point of I'd like to work with some different directors. I love the directors I work with and it's great to work with them. But it's always nice to try... Uh, working with new directors mm-hmm. and I'm trying to learn and, and I don't think you ever master anything. I don't ever feel like I've mastered anything. Um, and uh, I'd like to work with people and learn some more skill sets and how different people do things and, and that type of thing. And, and so I think it's just working with different people, I think is, is interesting and it's a challenge and just about any show as long as I like the show material, I wouldn't want to do anything. I'm not a scary person. Like, I don't like scary, scary stuff. I don't like violence. I don't like stuff that has hate in it. Mm. Those those are just negative emotions. And I don't think I could live in that world for, for four months because mm-hmm. that's the minimum of four months is whatever is what I live in if I'm, if I'm stage managing something. It's usually closer to like a year and a half. And if it's a topic that I can't handle, I wouldn't want to do it. Right? But it's if it's that's more the pieces. There's ones I don't think I would stage manage just because of the topics associated with them. Yeah. But there isn't any specific one that I would want to do because every show has its own challenges. Like when I went into Clue, I didn't realize Clue would have as many challenges as it had, and Clue had a lot of challenges associated with it because the 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 set was interesting, <laughs> and we've had other ones that have tech pieces that have to be put into places and you got to find sound and edit them and other ones where I've done some of the projection stuff on that I had edited it so it's just a it's just fun to find new challenges associated with them I guess mm-hmm. right I I really felt for you and Ron with those uh, auditions for Clue <sighs> like oh my goodness sitting in the room waiting for the callbacks I was looking around going oh that was like the cream of the crop. It was, it was so, it was, and it was a crammed full room of excellent people. We had so many amazing people. I don't know how Ron made the decision. I, I really don't. Um, we had so, so many amazing, amazing people. And we could have, and we kept joking about it. We could have cast that. We always say, oh, you could have cast that two or three times. No, we could easily cast that show three or four times with the, the people we had there. Mm-hmm. It was just and you felt awful because there were some really good people, yeah. right? And you were one of those <laughs> that you. just didn't fit yep. with the, yep. the dynamic of all the yeah. pieces. And that is the absolute hardest part is when you're you're working with a director and, and the director makes the calls on the casting, but, but you bounce ideas off them and you give suggestions and, and you, sometimes you say, well, what about this? And mm-hmm. you're thinking something mm-hmm. a little outside the box and they go, Oh, that works, and then you can make everything. Mm-hmm. So it is a it is a conversation, but the, the director definitely has the the final say, hundred percent, and they should because yeah. they're the artistic person, definitely. But but it was so hard because it's like, well, we could go this route, 
Yeah. Or we could jimmy jug, it around and do this route. Yeah. Or we could jimmy it around and do that route. <laughs> well, if we did this, then that causes this and that causes that. And it's just so many puzzle pieces to put together. Yeah. And it's it's really hard when you've got a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard when you've got a few people. And mm-hmm. I've cast shows on both ends of it where you had, like, Clue, an absolute overload of people that, that did it. And on the other, like, because we had probably three deep for each role mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. That would have been amazing, yep. right? Yeah. And, um, but I've also been in shows where it's like, who the heck are we going to put in that role? <laughs> oh, no. What are we going to do now? Right? Yeah. And you try and cast it from the people that come to the auditions. And that's really, that's my philosophy, at least, is that, you know, if you possibly can cast it from who comes to the auditions, that's who you should be casting. And I know, I know sometimes you have to put a call out for a certain person because you need to have a six foot tall male that plays the role and you, everybody that showed up was five foot two. So sometimes you really have to put a separate call out, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I think you should always try and cast from who shows up if you possibly can. Mm -hmm. But you kind of have to look at the whole show and put the pieces together. So yeah, it's yeah. A, I mean, I can't, I can't speak for everybody that was at the Clue callbacks, but I certainly didn't feel bad when I didn't get cast because I was like, well, what an impossible situation, and it, it really isn't anything personal, or at least I don't see it that no, way. It was definitely not. That it's. Yep. Yeah, they're just, you guys are. It's like puzzle pieces trying to get everybody fit together. So, um, like yeah. I say, I can't speak for everybody, but I definitely didn't feel like slighted or anything like that i felt i'm glad because i always feel so guilty when when we when we cast for all the people that we have to say i'm sorry you were wonderful but (laughs) yeah don't hate me but it's 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 one of those pieces that you just there's only so many roles and if i could give a role to everybody i would but unfortunately (laughs) that's not how it works exactly exactly. um so um but and clue was was amazing. I can't believe yeah, we had the turnout really for Clue that we had. That was just a, uh, and I think there was a, a bunch of reasons for it. Mm-hmm. I think first, the name of Clue, I think, yeah. drew a lot of people. I think there's kind of a cult following associated with it. And even if you haven't seen the, the Tim Curry movie, you've played the game. And so yeah. you've kind of got that in your head. And then on top of that, I think coming back out of COVID, yeah. I think everybody's going, Oh, good! We can come back to theater. Yeah, exactly. Yay, my hobby's back. So everybody yeah. in the run, and they a lot of people that hadn't tried out for tried out for anything came because they were they kind of had sat at home for the last two years and went, God, what am I going to do? I need to find a hobby. Something. Yeah, I need something. Well, I'll try that. Right, and you feel bad because you want to include those people because yeah. you want to bring in Courage. more people to the theater and that type of stuff. But on the other hand, there's only so many roles. Yeah. Right. And all of the roles in Clue were so big mm-hmm. that it was really hard to involve people that you hadn't really involved, that you didn't really know or you didn't. Yes. Right. Like that was that. Yes. Right? Even the even the minor roles were yeah. Yeah. like we debated for hours about the singing telegram and there's one <laughs> line on stage. Like, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I definitely felt for you guys. Um, so we are already at that point where my laptop could combust at any moment. So I will redirect us. It went by so fast. Okay. So I usually try to leave a few minutes at the end of the show for the person, the guest to talk about anything at all, be it a side hustle or a charity or an upcoming show. So yeah, this is your your platform for that if you'd like. 
Um, okay. Um, well, <laughs> it's always a. I was thinking. I, I was thinking about this when we were um, preparing for this. Uh, yeah, right. But when I heard a little bit about it, I thought, you know, I. I uh, um, what am I going to talk about? Yeah. It's like, I don't really know what to talk about. But, um, and I guess probably my, um, my most likely thing to talk about would be um, something linked to the theater, which is Anthony's Hope. Most people know Anthony Fracalanza who are listening to this and knew what a big party was to the theater and how um, important he is to the theater and, and to us as, as a family. He was, uh, was one of my daughter's, was, was one of my daughter's best friends and um, every June, we do a fundraiser for him, and uh, in his name, at least, uh, and all the donations go to the Inn of the Good Shepherd. So we're doing it again this year, and I think it's um, June 17th. It's the Saturday. So anybody that uh, is thinking about it, bring a bag of food down to the theater on June 17th and donate it to the Inn in Anthony's name, and uh, we'll just keep his memory alive, and we're hoping to do something involving the youth group as well, uh, or if we get the youth group up and running, but uh, um, we want to try and do something um, in his name for them as well, because really his his two big passions were the theater and the inn. He was a um, a great help to everybody, I think, and um, I think Anthony's hope is keeping his his heart and soul alive for everybody, and I think that's uh, that's important. Yeah, so, absolutely. There you go. Thank so, you very much yeah. for bringing that up, and I. I marvel each year at how organized it is and how much stuff gets collected. It really is, um, it's a lovely, lovely tribute. And I'm sure it helps a lot of people at the end. Well, I think I, I to me, I, I try and volunteer local. I think that's important. And I think you can always send your money to the United Way. And yes, they use it well, but... I'd rather send my money to local stuff and put my energy in it, local stuff. So I, I guess my idea is you work at the local level and the bigger picture takes care of itself. I don't know if that always works, but that's the way my brain works. So I focus on local stuff. So the, the end of the Good Shepherd, I think, does an amazing, amazing job. I volunteer there and then we do Anthony's Hope for it. And then um, I'm starting to get involved with uh, one of the local climate groups as well, the, the Climate Action Study of Lambton, and help them out a little bit because I think that's something else we got to yeah. take a look at. And, yep. and then I kind of live at the theater. <laughs> I do a lot there as well. <laughs> Not just physically, but I try and do stuff in the background there too. So Busy lady. Very, very busy. Um, well, thank you. I always, 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 always enjoy chatting with you, and I am delighted. That well, it's lovely to chat with you too, Dallas, and I'm glad I finally made it on here. I know we've talked about it before, but I'm glad it finally happened, Me and uh, I hope this turns out okay, because I never know what to say on these things. You've been absolutely perfect, so don't worry. <laughs> Usually, when I go back to edit these, the guest is almost always perfect and i'm there like rah, 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 just verbal diarrhea so don't even worry. i think you do an amazing job at this and i think this is such a uh, a unique idea the whole local piece that we i just talked about a minute ago this this really fills that uh, that piece up is it focuses on local and lets everybody know kind of what's going on in the world here and i think it's important to to shop local and to volunteer local and to socialize local i think it's all part of the world if you take care of your little piece of the world and uh keep an eye on the rest of it but uh it helps if you focus on one piece at a time right you can't do everything 
Okay. What a, what a perfect way to end the episode. <laughs> Thank you again. And uh, hopefully I will see you in the very near future. Yes. Well, hopefully then they announce the season. We'll see you at the auditions for some of them. Oh, heck yes. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy right. your day. Yeah. Thanks, Dallas. Thank Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, kids. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.